Philippians chapter 1. I want to say thank you. <clears throat> I trust it's been good for you to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. So this last six or so weeks have been just kind of a whirlwind for me and really my family. You know, my dad passed away. And so before that, I, I hopped on a plane last minute to go see him before he died. And I got home and found out he passed. And then it's preparing for the memorial. We go and do that. And, and in the midst of all that, I mess up my knee. And uh, <clears throat> so we come back, and, and I had committed to pe- preach for Pastor Aldridge at uh, his church in Pukwana, and so I do that. And then I come back, and um, the doc says, we're going to slice you open and, and fix your knee. And so I go through the surgery process, and then anniversary days comes. And it just feels like it was just like every day and every week there was something more and more. And, uh, but this church is such an encouragement. <clears throat> I trust you understand that we have a good church. Uh, I have been refreshed and encouraged today in the house of the Lord. That's why we're here, to be encouraged and to be strengthened that we can go out and continue uh, to honor God in our private lives. And so today, I I just, uh, and I I know my wife sang the special this morning, but I had tears in my eyes. God is good. And listen, I'm looking at a, a good crowd of folks, and get a hold of what God's doing here. Amen. Um, you know, I've been to one other church in town, so I don't know what's out there, to be quite honest, but I don't think there's a better church. Yeah. And, um, and I say that because when we got here in the military, you know, uh, we just we visited one of their church before we came here, and when we got here, it was just evident that God said, "This is the place." And so, get all in. If you haven't been refreshed today, your refreshers broke because it's been good. And so, where can you go and have sippy cups on the pulpit? <laughs> and it's acceptable. This is a special place. And by the way, it's the trampoline park, December 8th, for the teens. <laughs> Carter, be careful. <laughs> I think they're picking things that they know will be detrimental to the DeGarmo <laughs> joints. <laughs> so, trampoline park. You know, but hasn't it just been fun to be here today? What a blessing and what a... Uh, what a great place that God would bring all of us to. Uh, my wife said she's thankful for her salvation today. <clears throat> I'm the cutter for my family, she says. And I get that. I can't compete with the Lord. So I'll concede and, you know, but I will say that uh, it's, I'm thankful for my family. And uh, so women, you're better than us men. Cindy and I were talking about it. She was gone five and a half days. And it was touch and go toward the end. <laughs> I asked Carter. I, I burnt the garlic bread. And I didn't just like overcook the garlic. It was burnt black, unedible. <laughs> so that went in the trash. And I, I had, we only needed half a loaf, so I used the other half loaf and made some proper garlic bread. And, and then the very next day, we were doing some pork chops. By the way, thank you. Uh, Allstrom's and Anna Willard's, but uh, they were as black as coal. 
I put them on the grill and I started reading or something and and I just I got lost track of timers and they were black as as coal. They were really not the one side that was up was had a little bit of white. <laughs> and and I said my knees hurt and I ain't cooking anything else. We're gonna have to figure this out. So Colin made whatever and I think the two of us choked those things down, but um, it really got touch and go. But I'll leave for six, eight months when the house functions. Women are amazing. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. Let's get on track here this evening. One twenty-seven. If you would stand with me in honor of reading the word of God. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, that ye stand, excuse me, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for our church. Lord, we are so thankful for the work that you're doing in this place and in our lives. And I pray that you just continue to bind us together. And Father, as we take the next few moments to look at your word, we pray that you would touch hearts and move in lives. Lord, you know the heart need tonight. And Father, certainly I've prepared some things, but I pray that you would uh, guide my thoughts and guide my words, Lord, and only that which glorifies you would be said. And that, Lord, in some way, each one would be drawn near to Christ through the preaching of your word tonight. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. It says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. And he says that whether I come and see you or else be happy. He says this, it says, I may hear of your affairs. Uh, tonight I want to talk to you about your affairs. And no, I'm not talking about an inappropriate or illicit relationship uh, with a husband or a wife that has been unfaithful. Uh, but I, my desire is to make an application of how we live our lives to reach the lost. Uh, I, want to, I want to talk about striving together in outreach, maybe, if you will, if I were to title it, striving together in outreach, or how are your affairs, maybe, would be inappropriate. And what do I mean by outreach? And simply, how do we share the gospel with others? Uh, we ought to have a concentrated, focused effort to share our faith with others. Uh, We certainly should. Paul wanted the Philippian believers to live a life consecrated to the gospel. He he says in verse 20, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He wants them to live a life consecrated to that purpose. Why? So that whatever their state, whatever their circumstance, whatever situation or whatever their lot in life may be, they would be found faithfully standing and striving, proclaiming the gospel. Whatever their affair, whatever their state, we all have affairs. We all have circumstances. We all have situations. Listen, go, we go to work. Uh, we go shopping. Uh, I'm glad my wife's back. I don't have to do that. I had to go buy some noodles. and I don't like the grocery store. But we go out to eat. We visit family. Uh, we have different circumstances in life. And the reality is life often takes us to unexpected places. I would have never expected to be dealing with my knee right now. It was completely unexpected. Uh, 
but I must resolve to or, or understand that God has allowed this. And so whatever my situation, I need to use that for the furtherance of the gospel. We all ought to have that attitude. And I don't know if there's a better person uh, to preach that or, or write to the Philippian believers on that. You understand Paul was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was in prison. We know that he understood what it was to abase and to abound. Paul, in all of those things, was faithful to the gospel. He was faithful to continue on and to share his faith. And so we ought to let our conversation be consumed with the gospel, that no matter our circumstance, we can be found striving together for the gospel, uh, striving together to share the gospel. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. I have, excuse me, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith, the Apostle Paul says. And he went through a lot of affairs, a lot of situations, a lot of circumstances, and he was found faithful there. Uh, I'm afraid oftentimes we use the affairs of life, the situations and the circumstances of life, as an excuse not to be faithful. It's not easy always to share the gospel when you're in the hospital. Listen, I get it. You don't feel like it. Uh, this leg injury has been so draining. I can't believe how draining it is. And it's demoralizing. It's frustrating. You just want to go do something, but you can't. And so your attitude can go bad real quick. But listen, we we got we to gotta be faithful to what we believe. Do we believe that God brings tribulation and trials and affliction in our life for our good? If that's the case, we don't need to get down about it. And listen, I understand. It can be frustrating at times. But I'll never forget. You talk about being down. David Exiklag. And what did he do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. And so what, what was my testimony a few moments ago? It's good to be here. I've been encouraged and refreshed. I've had some long couple of weeks, just frustrating, difficult things in life. And boy, it's been good to be here. And you know what? I didn't have to encourage myself. You guys were here. And what a blessing. And so what I will, I'll make a chug for faithfulness to church right there. Man, you ought to be here. Boy, when depression sets in, you get discouraged, and you start to lay out a church, and it just compounds. Man, you ought to be in church. But tonight, the importance of sharing the gospel with others can't be overemphasized. I really don't think we can overemphasize that aspect of our responsibility as a church. Did you know Jesus wants everybody to hear the good news of salvation? Everybody. He told the disciples in Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, Go ye into all the world. And preach the gospel to some of them. No. To every creature. That means as we go about the situations and the affairs and, and the circumstances of our life, every creature that we come in contact with is an opportunity for us to preach the gospel. Are we faithful to do that? Listen, he provided all that's necessary for salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, we just got to be faithful to proclaim it. Uh, man, we got the easy part. 
Let's be honest. He died for the lost, and we just have to be faithful to proclaim it. And, but what's the most effective way to reach people today? I got on the interwebs, and there's a lot of gobbledygook about there on how to reach people. There's garbage, to be flat out honest with you. There's just junk. Listen, we just need to stick to the Word of God and what it says. And the simplest way to say it is to preach the gospel. We don't need to complicate it. But nonetheless, I came across the survey. And uh, I could not find the date of this thing. I think it's a, a little bit older because the organization that did it has a different name now. Um, but I couldn't actually find I found it in, in a different article, but uh, they didn't cite the original. But uh, they did some research, and they asked over 10,000 people this question. What was responsible for your coming to Christ in this church? That's the question. What was responsible for your coming to Christ in this church? Here are the replies. I had a special need. 3% of people said that. I just walked in. Another 3%. Here's a good one. I liked the minister. 6%. So. <clears throat> I visited there 1%. Now, I don't know the difference between I just walked in and I visited there, so I kind of lumped that to 1%, 4%. I, I don't know. Uh, another one, I liked the Bible classes, 5%. Well, that's good. 5% of people were interested in the Bible. <clears throat> I attended a gospel meeting. That was half a percent. And again, I don't know how that translates differently to the people that visited, but, but these are just their replies. And here's one, I liked the programs. 3%. Man, so, but I hope you're noticing that there's a, these are small percentages. These are insignificant amounts of these 10,000s of people. Here's the number one answer. A friend or relative invited me. 79%. 79% of the 10,000 or more people. And so what can we learn from this survey? Well, it justifies the church's concern to pick their preacher based on likability. Six percent there, right? So, so I, I think we got better than six percent in our church. Maybe after some of his messages, it's less. I don't know, but uh, or maybe it's we need to give more special attention to the attractiveness of programs and things offered. Then we can have 80 per, or 8%, 5 plus 3. If you, then we have 8% of people if we bolster our programs. I don't think that's what the indication of the survey is. If our church is going to reach the loss, it will be through the efforts of the individual members. We can get the fanciest, gussied-up church building in town. We can have the fanciest programs and if we're not actively, and listen, we could fill a building. It happens all across this country. Uh, buildings are filled and packed. Parking lots are overflowing, and the gospel isn't preached. We can do all those things, but that's not what God intended for the church to do. Are you inviting people to Christ? And I'll even say, are you invited into church? Because I believe in our church, this is a good church, the gospel's preached, they'll hear the gospel here. 
But my, my more probing question is, are you inviting people to Christ? 79% of the people was, their response was it was a friend or a relative, somebody that they knew that made the difference on whether they came to Christ or to church. Listen, we don't need people in church. We need people to come to know Christ. Now listen, a byproduct of that is God works in their life, they'll, they'll find a church. And so, uh, listen, I don't want to downplay the importance of programs. I think we have a good Sunday school program. Uh, we, those things are not wrong to have, but they are not the focus of what we do. Those are all to support and supplement the preaching of the gospel. Uh, as we go about the affairs of our life, are we good ambassadors for our heavenly citizenship? We talked about before our conversation and how we're representing our Lord and and so are we good ambassadors of our citizenship? Listen, having a good preacher and good programs and classes is important. I really believe that. And I'm thankful for a good pastor. I'm thankful for good people. I'm thankful for good programs where people that love the, the people that they minister to and, and for the classes that we have. Uh, if we are going to do something, we ought to do it for the glory of God, right? You know, we're like, well, let's put on Sunday school, but let's just give half-heartedly. No, if we're going to do it, we need to go all in. Uh, but the reality is those things within these walls are more the development of the believers for the work of evangelism. Those are to build us up and to encourage us and to strengthen us after we've come to know Christ. And so those things are worthwhile, uh, but they're not the main forum to reach the lost. They certainly are not. They ought not be anyway, and that's my opinion. You can disagree with me, and you can be wrong. But, uh, <clears throat> Listen, our programs or our ministries can reach people with the gospel. Right? They can, they, and that happens. You, you, we've seen it. Little children get saved in Sunday school occasionally. But the fact remains, the greatest potential to reach the lost lies right here with each of us individually. As we intermingle in this life, as we go about the affairs of life and in the different circumstances that, in the different states that God puts us in, we have opportunities to share Christ. And so as we go about our daily affairs, do we make a concentrated effort to share the good news? I'm afraid many Christians become apathetic in this. And we just kind of go about the routine of life. And, and thank God church is, is part of our routine and we're faithful to church and we're committed to being there and we're going to be there as long as the doors are open. But we're largely silent outside of these walls. And God help that not to be the case for the people of liberty. The purpose of the church is not programs and social connection. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And our primary duty is to proclaim truth wherever and in whatever circumstances we are found to proclaim the truth. So tonight, and i got to go quick, Adrian's in the nursery. Uh, so I want to share three practical things to help us keep focused on the need at hand. Number one tonight, we need a concern for the lost. Do we even care that there's thousands and millions of people around us that without Christ, they will die and burn in an eternal fire, in eternal flame. Matthew 9, 36 through 38, 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Do you remember your lost condition? I do. And it wasn't good. I remember thinking, man, I remember the feeling of lostness. <clears throat> the other day I was driving through a neighborhood here in Rapid City. I'd either drop the boils off somewhere or I was picking them up. And, and I was in a part of town that I don't always go to, but I think I was cutting through a neighborhood. And, and it was a rundown neighborhood, and it was, it was a difficult neighborhood. Kind of like the old loafing thug down here that got closed. Um, loafing jug, sorry. That, that corner is nice and calm. Have you noticed today? Oh, praise the Lord. But I was driving through this neighborhood, and, you know, you just see the rundown homes. And the people that are walking on the sidewalk are, the way of the transgressor is hard. They just look like they have a, and God just broke my heart. And all I can think of is, but for the grace of God, that's where I would be. Now listen, and I'm not talking about just people being poor. God loves poor people. Poor people can be saved and gloriously serve him. And, and some of them are probably happier than the rest of us that have an abundance. But I'm talking about people that are without Christ. And you can just see their life is miserable. And God just broke my heart to think, what am I doing to reach these people? Ask God to give you a concern for the lost. Paul was burdened for his kinsmen. In Romans 9.5, he writes of the, of the great blessing that the uh, the people of Israel, it says, of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came. But the Apostle Paul knew that they had rejected the Messiah and they still needed to be saved. And he writes in Romans 10.1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God, for Israel, is that they might be saved. Perhaps at times we just need to be reminded of our lost state before we, come, before we came to know Christ and just how, how lost we were. I think of that song, Were It Not For Grace. Boy, where would we be? Just down some pointless road to nowhere. I think that will help us understand that those we come in contact with daily need Christ. And you know, as you drive through one of the more difficult neighborhoods in a city, don't, all, don't forget that there are the folks in the nice neighborhoods that when the doors of their home are closed at night, they're miserable. Their homes are a mess. It's a wreck. So just because somebody has financial well-being doesn't mean they're happy and content. They're just as spiritually dead as the rest. And so sometimes I'm afraid we often, and actually I wrote some papers on this dealing with some of the reservations in America and really some of it specifically Pine Ridge, did you know that's the poorest county in the United States of America? But I, I was doing some research, and there have been hundreds, probably thousands of missionary efforts of all different denominations that go down there. It's ineffective. 
And sometimes I think our hearts are burdened because we see that. But who's reaching those that are well-to-do? For some reason, we just seem to be blind to their need because we don't physically see those things. And tonight, I'm just trying to tell you this. Everyone's lost without Christ. It doesn't matter their lot in life. So it's not that you need to have more pity on one over the other. They're, they're all going to burn in hell without Christ. They all need him. But sometimes we just need to be reminded of where we were at one point. And listen, you need to get out and see the condition of the lost. I served in the military for 21 years, and there were some very well-off people that I came in contact with over my 21 years in the military. And they're just as lost as all. They got everything that this world can offer, and their lives are miserable, and uh, they have no purpose, really, and they think they do. I was talking to Cindy the other day. There's a man I know, and I respect him greatly. And I try to be somewhat vague up here because I I pray that he'll come to church at one point. But everything he has is tied to the Air Force. His career, he has a family that had a a very successful career, everything. And he's a civil servant now, and and he's got a very successful career as a civilian and all those things. And every time I talk to him, that's all he has. That's all he has. And I told my wife, I said, that was one of the reasons or one of the things God used to work in my life to get me out of the Air Force. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, boy, I had a great career in the military. Stand before my Savior and say, boy, I was a master sergeant. You think that matters to Almighty God? God's not impressed with any of our successes here. I love it when pastor said he had to come down from heaven to examine these things. Listen, God's so high and lifted up that those things aren't going to mean a lick. And so, listen, we ought to get about those things that are important. And I'm not saying everybody needs to quit their job and go full-time ministry. That's not what I'm saying. That was what God had for me. But what I am saying is, listen, don't forget that those people oftentimes that we look at that are successful, when they lay their head on their pillow at night, they know that they're not happy and content with the life that they have. Uh, And I know that from my own experience. They might put on the best show outwardly. And listen, I'll tell you, I've talked to them. I've been in deployed locations when bombs are going off and things are happening, and all of a sudden I have an opportunity to preach Christ from a bunker top because people are burdened. It's like reality settling in. What if one of these things lands right here? You know, but when the, when the calm comes, they just go kind of right back to normal because they don't know. They're lost. Don't let the prosperity of the wicked fool you. They're not doing well. <clears throat> Get out and see the lost condition of those around us. Sometimes we just need to slow down and put aside our critical self-righteous attitude and understand that but for the grace of God, we would be there. I can't tell you the number of times I've driven by uh, uh, somebody that's begging. Ah, just get a job. And that's true. He, they do, right? But the reality is they need Christ. And here I am with the answer, berating them. But they don't know better. They don't know that the solution is Jesus Christ is their Savior. 
And so just take a moment and slow down at times. At Walmart, when you go there, I don't go there, but if you go there, um, you know, when I'm at Cabela's or something, you know, uh, right, we just, sometimes we just need to slow down. And, and, and I'll tell you what, this is a good time of year to do that because there's going to be the hustle and bustle of the holidays. People are going to be running around. But slow down and look at the people. They're just running around racing, trying to get gifts or whatever the case may be to get through these holidays. And certainly there's those people that are going without through the holiday season. But just stop and, and think about those hundreds of people that you may con- come in contact, maybe thousands for some, that you may come in contact over a given week. What is the percentage you think that actually know Christ? Very little. <clears throat> Do we believe in hell? Those around us without Christ will spend eternity in torment. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. But do you have a concern for the lost? And I'll say this, how shall they hear without a preacher? Don't just go about your business day to day and forget the need of the people around you. Listen, I am guilty of it. I'm probably the number one person. If I'm thinking about a task or taking care of something, I can be pretty rude. Ask my family. (laughs) There's some work that needs done at the house. My leg's kind of limiting my abilities. And my wife said, well, will you let us help you? I know you can't stand watching people work, but this really needs to get done. And if you would just guide us and direct us, we can do some things. So I get it. Listen, it can be frustrating. But we need to be careful that we are not in such a big hurry focused on what we want to accomplish that we're not able to see the need of the people around us. Is that not the greatest example we have in our Savior? Wherever he went, he saw the need. Listen, we read the passage. He was moved with compassion. Here they are wandering about as sheep, having no shepherd. They're fainting. They don't even know what to do. And he was moved with compassion. It broke his heart to see the lost condition of those people. So tonight, I just want to tell you, don't be in such a hurry that you don't see the need around us. We need a lean. We need a... Uh, a concern for the lost around us. Number two tonight, we need to know how to share Christ. We need to know how. We must understand how to share the gospel. And for some of you, I want to encourage you not to be intimidated. I know that can be an intimidating thing. If you know Christ, I have good news. It's easy to share your testimony and how you came to come to know Christ. It can be that simple. You don't have to have three points in a poem. You don't have to go to seminary, graduate Bible college, get a master's degree and a doctorate and all that to be able to share Christ. Listen, if you've experienced the love of God yourself, you can just tell people what happened to you. And so don't be intimidated. And listen, you don't have to have all the answers. There will be a million distractions. Lost people, they'll ask about this, or or, is my dog going to be in heaven? Is... Is this, and and those, I'm not saying that there's not a time to answer those questions, but their urgent need is Christ. And so listen, don't allow people to distract from the main focus of the conversation with other things. And listen, it's not all going to happen on the first meeting all the time. 
Certainly you might encounter somebody and you can lead them to the Christ. Uh, but listen, we, we need to be content sometimes that we're just planting and watering. We don't have to be the reapers all the time. And, and so certainly we don't want to force that. I'll pray this and you'll be saved. Well, if they don't believe, if they don't understand, they're not going to be saved. And so you don't want to give them some, some false hope. But, but what am I telling you tonight? Don't get intimidated because it's really not that hard. And so you can have your, your testimony, but don't stop there. Put some effort into this. Okay, well, all right. Maybe you guys don't want to put any effort into it. Start memorizing some scripture, some helpful passages. Uh, many of us are familiar with Romans Road verses. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is... Listen, there's so many in, in Romans Road. Listen, one of the best ways you can do is take one of these invite cards... Well, I don't have one here. Memorize those verses that are on there. There's, a, there's some verses that will be helpful. But listen, get serious about learning how to share Christ. Take the time. I'll, I'll never forget when I was, was brand new, fresh. I had received Christ a couple years prior, but when, I, uh, when my dad put me in the school and I got right with God, one of the first things that I did as soon as I started going to uh, the youth group, <clears throat> I had an assignment I think it was personal evangelism class, and it was to write out my version of the Romans Road. So I had to develop my own presentation of the gospel. And you know what I did? I looked at some different tracks. I looked at different things. So you looked at some Bible verses, and I kind of took those things that that would that kind of fit maybe my personality a little bit, but they were scriptural. And they're listen. They need to understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? So, so pick out some of those verses, help them understand that, and then whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and if you believe in that heart and confess with thy mouth, thou shalt be saved, right? So those, some of those critical verses you need in there, right? Because they have to understand those things. But start picking some of those things out and do some study and prepare something. Don't be lackadaisical about it. Don't just expect it just to come upon you. And listen, the Holy Spirit can guide you in your development process. But what am I saying? You need to know how. And you already know how if you know Christ, but maybe you need to be prepared. And that's my next point. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. But listen, I'll tell you this. A great way to increase your knowledge on how to share Christ is by doing it. When I started knocking doors, so I developed that personal evangelism. I finished that class and I developed my my uh, presentation of the gospel, I guess I'll, I'll call it. And, and uh, we started door knocking with the teen group. I didn't know what to do. I'd never heard of door knocking. Those Baptists are weird. The church my dad went to that we attended, they didn't do that kind of stuff. And I, I was like, this is, we're going to go knock on doors, tell people they're going to hell, but you can be saved. That sounds hard and intimidating. But when you start doing it, I'll tell you what, there's nothing like the, the, the blessedness of being an obedient servant of God Amen. and the contentment that comes knowing that you're doing what God's commanded you to do. And you do that, and, and somebody will ask a question. And I've been stumped at doorsteps before. I remember as a teenager, somebody said, well, rapture is not even in the Bible. I don't even know how we got talking about the rapture. <laughs> and I was like, this guy's right. Rapture isn't in the Bible. And I, well, it means catching away. And I, but I was... I think 16, 17. I was a kid. I was like, I, I just started door knocking. That's, that wasn't my personal evangelism class. I didn't know what to say. But you know what? The next time somebody asked me that question, I was ready. 
But nobody's ever asked me that again. <laughs> but what am I saying? This? Listen, sometimes you just got to get out of your comfort zone and be obedient to what God wants you to do. And so, listen, our church has many opportunities to go door knocking if you want to go. Sunday, they, they meet here at the church. You can go. Saturation Saturday is coming up in a couple of weeks. And listen, you don't even have to do it at that time. If you want a neighborhood, I'll give you a map and you can go out. And if you don't want to do it by yourself, we'll find a partner for you. Listen, we can accommodate whatever you guys need to do. But listen, get out there and share Christ. And listen, the best way you can prepare yourself and get ready to do that is by going out and doing it. You'll never have all the answers, so don't wait. Be obedient. Just be obedient. We have many opportunities. And, and here, this is kind of flows into my last point tonight. We need to be prepared to share Christ. Have materials ready. Carry tracks in your car. Invite their cards. Mark your Bible. Get a small New Testament if you need to. Carry it with you. Highlight the verses that are, that are helpful. That way, when you're picking through it, they're highlighted, and they just pop off the page, and you know this is where you're going. I know some people number the pages. You know, you start here, and then you go to this page, that page. There, there's a lot. That's how our John and Romans work. What am I saying? Get prepared. Get some materials ready. Listen, are you serious about seeing the lost saved? They need the word of God. So prepare yourself. Get some tracks. Get some material. And be prayed up. Ask God for opportunities to share the gospel. Look what Paul says to the Colossians in Colossians 4.3. With all praying also for us. Here's what his, his prayer request is. That God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. Paul said pray for us that God would give us opportunity. Be prepared. Pray and ask God. Listen, you have coworkers. If you're in the workforce or, or, or wherever, you have coworkers that are, they have questions. They do. They might not come out and say it that way, but they have concerns. Because I know when I was lost, I would lay my head on my pillow at night wondering, what in the world is this life all about? Do I just float into space when it's all over? No, and that was God working in my heart. Listen, I think God does that in the heart of every person. And so just trust that God's there, and then just pray that he'll give you opportunities. Ask for a Holy Spirit filling. Listen, he, he can tell you what to speak and what to say and give you a boldness. There have been times where I, I've been able to present Christ in such a bold way that I was shocked. But it wasn't me, because I certainly am not that type of a personality. It, it was a Holy Spirit filling. and I don't know if I've shared this story with you before, but... There was a man named Darwin Terry. I, walked, I knocked hundreds, probably thousands of doors in Las Vegas with him. And Darwin Terry was a soul winner. And he was a straightforward. And I'll never forget standing at the door with a young lady. And I was young at the time. I was in my 20s. I'm pretty old now. but um, <clears throat> So she was probably my age. I was maybe mid-20s at the time. And, and so we're standing. At, we're, so let me give you the picture here. We are out knocking on somebody else's door. We don't know this lady from anybody in the rest of the city. So we knock on her door, and, and she, nice, pleasant young lady, answers the door, and, and Darlin, Darwin, Darwin, Darwin asked her if she knows Christ, if, and, and she said, no, I don't, and, and do you know what sin is? Well, I think I do. And he said, well, it looks like you're shacking up with a man. You're not married. I wanted to crawl around the corner. I was like, what is this guy doing? 
But that lady was so receptive, and she said, you know what, you're right. I'm not married to this man, and, and I've been taught that that's not right, and, and you're right. And so we did, she did not come to Christ that day, but I'll tell you what, there was some planting or watering done that day. Listen, ask God for a Holy Spirit. Darwin Terry was a pleasant guy. He wasn't a jerk. He was an older, he was grandpa of the church. But I'll tell you what, he was filled with the Spirit. And, and I asked him later, I'm like, what are you doing? He said, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but that was the opportunity at the time. And, and God was working in that woman's life. I have no doubt in my mind. But we just need to be prayed up and ask God to help us. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Look what it says here. And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly. Look at what it says, as I ought to speak. We ought to be speaking boldly about our Savior. Now, I don't recommend Darwin's method uh, as the first approach. Certainly, if the Holy Spirit leads, go all in. But what am I saying here? Ask God for opportunities. Ask Him to fill you. Uh, there have been times I shared the gospel. I had no intention of doing it. But I had been praying, God, just use me. And a conversation would come up at work or whatever the case may be. And next thing you know, we're talking about Christ. Like, I didn't intend to get here. It just happened. God opens up doors. Uh, but we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Be ready to share Christ during the affairs of life. I said this earlier. Don't get in a hurry. Don't be in such a hurry that you can't see the need of the people that you're encountering every day. And I know that can be a challenge at times. And certainly you need to do right by your boss. Uh, if you are at work, you can't always suck up time clock with, with sharing the gospel. But some places and some things at work, it, it, you can do share Christ. And, some, and so take advantage of that if you have. But listen to this. Have a good attitude. Demonstrate the love of Christ in your daily affairs or interactions. You know, don't walk around telling them you're a Christian and, and be the jerk at work. Or the jerk ramming people at the grocery store with the cart or not letting people get in, in in the lane in traffic. Right? Listen, share the love of Christ. And listen, if you got the old sticker on your window, drive right. <clears throat> listen, we need the right doctrine. I believe we have it. We need good church organization. I believe we have that here. And, and we need godly worship. These things are certainly important. Those things are important. Yet it is our love for one another that the Lord intends to convince the world that we are truly His disciples. John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Boy, if we could just demonstrate the love of Christ in our daily interactions, people will notice that something's different. Those things that tend to inflame and, and cause issue. Boy, the Christian, man, this guy's, how come he's not all fired up about this? He's really not too concerned about it because the Lord will take care of it. If we're going to be fruitful overall, we must make sure that we provide the right kind of loving and caring spiritual environment. We need to demonstrate the love of Christ. I truly believe this. People are looking for the, for the truth. They are. 
And listen, they don't need to be coddled. The truth can be difficult to hear. We need to be bold to share the truth. Uh, They don't need to be coddled, uh, but they do need to be loved. We can demonstrate the love of Christ as we share their need of salvation. Uh, You can can lovingly tell somebody that they're on their way to hell. You don't have to do it with red eyes and flames coming out of your ears. Turn or burn! (laughs) We can do it with the love of Christ in, in a right attitude. So what am I saying? As you go about your affairs of, of, of life and, and whatever circumstance you may be in at this time, be a genuine person with others. Be a genuine Christian. Uh, you don't have to be confrontational all the time. There's a time and a place for some of that, maybe, perhaps. I, I've been there. Listen, you can add simple comments to a conversation that will cause others to think about spiritual things. Uh, so many times in the military... Hey, let's go do this on Sunday. I'm going to church. But don't leave it there. Explain why you're going to church. Man, Christ died for me. You can can introduce spiritual things into those conversations. And that's a natural conversation. You're just expounding on it. But sometimes uh, we think we're spiritual. I'm going to church. And we we just leave it there. Well, well, so are the Catholics. So are the Mormons. The lost people don't necessarily care that you're going to church. But use that as an opportunity to explain why. God's changed your life. You're in Christ now. It's different. I want to go to church because I need to be encouraged and strengthened. The gospel's preached there. Listen, our church, I believe with all my heart, is fundamentally different than other churches in town. So just telling people you go to church ain't good enough. Explain those things. I don't drink. Explain why. Again, we we can have all this self-righteousness. I go to church. I'm faithful. and I don't drink. I don't get involved in that kind of stuff. Uh, Explain why. Tell them that God changed your life. You're satisfied with Christ. You don't need the bottle. I don't do such and such. Explain why. I do such and such. Explain. Listen, these are opportunities in, in our daily affairs, in our daily life that we have to preach Christ to the lost. Take advantage of it. As we close tonight, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That I may, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. The Apostle Paul says, whether I'm there or not, I want want to hear of your state. I want to hear of what's going on there. And this is what he said, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Whatever the situation, I want to find out that you're being faithful to proclaim the gospel. Do we allow the gospel to rule our conversation? And by conversation, I'm talking about your manner of life. Listen, that's the goal. A Christ-centered life that affects all our affairs. And by God's grace, we can do it with a clear conscience, not just because we are trying to impress the preacher when he's around. That whether I come and, and see you or else be absent, we see there, I thought Matthew Henry's thoughts or notes he wrote this on this. He says this, Our religion must not be bound up in the hands of our ministers. I thought that was good. And the Apostle Paul's telling the people at Philippi, Listen, I want you to always, regardless of the circumstance of your life, regardless if things are up or, or, or down, whatever the case may be, uh, I want to see that your, your affairs and those things are 
going on for the furtherance of the gospel. I don't need to be there. Boy, what a shame is, would it be if our kids only did right when mom and dad were around? What a shame for the church member to only do right when the preacher knows what's going on. Listen, the preachers don't have time to come examine you and spy on you to see if you're doing right or not. But I'll tell you who is. The good shepherd knows. Let us be concerned with pleasing the chief shepherd who shall appear. God help us to reach the lost around us tonight. Let's pray.